Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Today's guest is Ian Watt, the organizer of an upcoming geo-focused hack event that will take place on November 28th and 29th. Ian, welcome to the show and introduce yourself and please tell us about your event, which um, is run by the Code the City organization. Okay, thanks, Ed. Um, so I'm a longtime open data advocate. Uh, I worked for over 30 years in the public sector and escaped about three years ago with some of my personality intact. And when I did that, I uh, went back to uni and did a data science master's course. And currently I'm doing a few things. So I I'm on the board of Democracy Club, which some of the listeners may have heard of, a community interest co- company which uses open data particularly to get people involved in democracy. I'm also the civic lead for open data in Scotland. It's part of the Open Government Scotland planning process. And latterly, I've been taking up some role on the steering group of Stirling University's Data Commons project, which is researching the use of open data for the full life cycle of waste management in Scotland. So you can see there's a strong open data thread running through that. And so I co-founded and I'm currently a trustee of Code the City, which is a charity. And we set that up about seven years ago to run hack events, principally using tech and data for civic good. So, so far we've run 20 hack events since we started, along with running other workshops and things. And this year's uh, inaugural Scottish Open Data Unconference, which took place in September online and As part of that, we started uh, the only Scottish node also of the Open Data Institute, which is Aberdeen. And I guess some side things we've done as well. We started the Python user group locally. We ran data meetups and we also run or were running young coders clubs until um, COVID came along. Congratulations, Ian. That's, that's quite a quite a list. Oh, thank uh, you. That's very, very impressive. So Code the City is based in Aberdeen. Are most of your projects kind of focused on that area? Or, or And of course, I guess we should mention that this this hack event is going to be online. So yeah. anyone can participate. So so how will that work exactly? So yeah, so the Aberdeen angle is that we we founded the, the organization in Aberdeen. Um, and while we've done that, we've run events either as multi-centered events based in Aberdeen and elsewhere or specifically. So we've worked in other Scottish cities. We also run a, a workshop in Groningen in the Netherlands uh, a little while ago. And since then, you know, we've been, we've been working since COVID online uh, fully. Uh, so we've so far run two events, Code the City 19 and 20, and also the Scottish Open Data Unconference. So those were fully online. And so this event will be pretty much using the same approach we've used for those. So we'll be using a combination of Zoom, Slack and Miro to coordinate activities. And our hack events generally have the, you know, the posing of challenges, the generation of ideas, team formation, and then breakouts into Zoom rooms uh, or Slack if needed to coordinate those projects. Uh, and in fact, my colleague uh, and co-founder Bruce Charlow from Aberdeen University will be doing most of the, the kind of MC, the, the master of ceremonies for the, the weekend. And he'll be doing that from a hotel room in Seoul in South Korea, while he self-isolates there uh, in anticipation of his daughter's wedding the week after. So he's going to be at a loose end. And so if he can do it from Seoul, anybody anywhere can join us. So anyone from anywhere can get involved. But and what types of projects are you hoping for people to work on? Are those things related related to Aberdeen or related to Scotland? Or anyone can work on anything they want? Or, or what's kind of the format? 
we we expect a good deal of them to be about Aberdeen just because our local user base tends to get involved quite a lot. But we are not precious about that. In fact, we would encourage people from all over to get involved. Our previous events have been more determined by who attends, and that's pr- normally been a physical weekend. But we hope that people you know, will join us from other cities. We've been in touch with Leeds and Manchester, for instance, where there are large open data communities. We're hopeful that perhaps somebody from there will join in. And the projects themselves could take many formats. And perhaps we could come back to that in a second. Yeah. I mean, what types of challenges will you be putting out, or, or is that not yet clear? We've had quite a number of suggestions. So we've had people suggesting so far um, how to pull in data from OpenStreetMap and, you know, coordinate that with Wikidata, but also I would maybe doing some surveys of Aberdeen for OpenStreetMap or, or wherever people are living. We've had some suggestions around digitization of old uh, physical maps and putting them online. Um, and that would tie nicely into, for instance, the Code the City 19, which was around history in the city. And we had loads of activity around shipyards and shipbuilding and also the transcription of harbour arrivals for the city. So the, since then, um, volunteers have transcribed 28,000 records of ships arriving between 1914 and 1920, such spanning the, the First World War. And so people have been suggesting how do we you know, map some of that, for instance, or even create some sort of animated timeline maps or time series maps showing those arrivals and which ports they came from and so on. So loads of interesting potential. And as all of these things are, people will on the day suggest new projects for us. Yeah, very cool. Actually, I I remember I read an article a couple of months ago that several of these kind of digitization projects where it's about taking old records and digitizing them have really boomed during the lockdown as people, you know, were looking for things to do. So, uh, yeah, I wish you every luck with that. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think people have really got stuck in. We, we had quite a bunch of volunteers came forward during lockdown uh, to work on the transcription of those things. And in fact, since that particular project has come towards an end, uh, people have been asking for more things to do. And so we've been working with our local art and galleries and museums systems to, to start to match some records of what their holdings are with Wikidata. Um, and we've got some new identifiers proposed for Wikidata. So loads of things that people can do. And I, I hear loads of things about people getting stuck into, you know, genealogy and those sort of things as well. And they've got time on their hands from home. Very nice. You know, there. Um, if you'll excuse one slight digression here, there is there is one geo topic that always comes up in our events in London that's relevant perhaps to Aberdeen or Northern Scotland. And this is the whole idea of putting Shetland in a box. <laughs> What, what is, what's the view on that in Aberdeen? Should Shetland be boxed or unboxed? And, and would plays on this be an acceptable hack project? Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I'm so, I'm not, as I think probably picked up, I'm not a geographer, but and I will bow to those with a better knowledge of geographic standards and so on, or mapping standards. But to me, it seems like a, a rather silly idea to, to, put Shetland in a box, uh, or sorry, rather, sorry, I'll start that again. It seems to me a rather silly idea not to have Shetland in a box on a map when what we end up with is maps with loads of sea on the map and less detail because you're obviously trying to cover a bigger geographic area by the same mapped representation. So, uh, but I, I guess there, there are political and, you know, geographic uh, dimensions to this. 
<laughs> well, in, in seriousness, though, it, it sounds like you, I mean, very impressive, the number of events that you've organized. And it sounds like you must have a very strong community there. Yeah. So are people going to be coming kind of as teams or or if someone wants to just wants to drop in, you'll assign them to a team or, or how does it work? So far, we've had over those 20 events, we rarely get people coming along as fully formed teams, although they are very welcome to do so. Uh, but part of the, the joy of you know, this is seeing people coming in in ones and twos and then forming, you know, mixed skill groups where they are self-organizing essentially and share both their experience and their knowledge, their professional knowledge, because these events are as much learning events as they are anything else. But of course, if somebody is stuck, we can always assign them to a team, although it's rare that that has to happen. Normally, people are attracted by, you know, the theme of a project and they gravitate towards that. But we have, you know, people with really diverse skill sets normally. So although this is um, very much a specific geo-focused event, we will have people who are web developers, people who've got database backgrounds, people who are comms and marketing or whatever. So, and it's that diversity, I think, that lends a hack weekend its success, I guess. Absolutely. That's, that's where the magic happens. I yeah. Think, when you bring together people of different backgrounds and stuff. What are, um, what has been the, like kind of lasting impact of some of the, some of the other events you've run? I mean, on the one hand, the, with the, with the hack event, of course, it's, it's good as an experience for learning, as you say, or to try out new things and experiment. But has there been any kind of like lasting outcome or? Yeah. We've, I mean, you know, so it's a le- come back to learning for a second. So you, you mentioned that. So learning is an important part of it. And I think that every hack event we do, we, we see it as being a safe space for people to come along to take time out from their, their week, you know, the daily job during the week and they really experiment and learning new techniques. So, you know, I think we all agree that any level of experience is, is, you know, or skill is, is appropriate for people to come along because they will learn new things. Um, and having run so many, um, different themed events in the past. So we've, we've covered history to alcohol dependency. We've covered archaeology and data science coming together, but also health and sport and leisure. And I'll, I can provide some links to those things in the show notes. And throughout those things have sprung up such as we did one on air quality, for instance, um, which has now become a thing on its own. So there is now an Aberdeen air quality group, um, which builds and deploys community hosted sensors for air quality around the city. We, we don't shepherd that as much as could the city would have done initially when it started off, but they're now a kind of self organizing group um, and they're generating loads of data. So that was one. I've put a proposal to our local history community, I guess you'd say, to set up a new digital group, which would kind of be a bit like the um, air quality, except with history. So it's looking at data and digital driven history and um, approaches. So using new tools and techniques and applying it to their domain. And so, so there are loads of things that we've done that have a, a legacy in different ways. Well, congratulations. Thank That's you. That's fantastic. Actually, my, my wife does air quality research. Ah. And so it's a, it's a space I've kind of followed over the years. And yeah, it's really amazing how the increasing availability of data because it's become so much cheaper to, to get these sensors and connect them and aggregate the data and things like that. It's been, been an absolute explosion over the last yeah. 10 years. So. Yeah. So we, we, we started with the, this Luftdaten model, which has come out of Germany in Stuttgart, I think it is. So it's a design of an open source product. And we just get people to build their own one, uh, or rather, we did that in initially first two hacks, and then now the air quality group do that themselves. Uh, 
And so people come along, build their own sensor, take it home, plug it into their home Wi-Fi, and you're away. And of course, the data is uploaded to an open server where anybody can then use that data. I think some of the challenges are around dealing with you know local government and getting them to understand that a big network of cheaper sensors is actually a a really good thing compared to a very small network of highly expensive, highly accurate sensors. Um, and you, these things complement each other. They're not a replacement for one another. Yeah, also also a relevant topic now with um, the virus, of course. And these, on the one hand, you can have highly precise testing, but it's expensive and difficult to administer. Or you can have these these really cheap tests, but they're less accurate. But, yeah. yeah. You know, if you do them at mass scale, it can also provide very valuable information. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so what would make this an event a success for you? What would you say would be a good outcome? Yeah, I, I guess there are a number of factors. I mean, we don't judge the event on, for instance, the number of completed projects because loads of projects will be tested as an idea and so on. Um, I, I guess we would say that the success depends on, you know, how many teams were working on different projects, what they tried, how did they get on with those, how did they learn from it? And, and what things are taken forward. Um, and we don't rigorously measure, you know, KPIs or whatever. We, but we like to have a, an indication of, of how that has gone. Um, and one of the things we're very much into is the sharing of the knowledge that comes out of the event. So in a, in a normal face to face one, we would be videoing things and we would be recording those. We would encourage all of the teams to be sharing, you know, all of the sort of digital artifacts that they produce. Uh, so we will set up GitHub repos for each of the projects generally and encourage people then to, to upload their code and so on and even data to that. And we will provide help and support to people to if they've never used GitHub before to get them started. So, so there's a continual, you know, learning and feedback loop to all of this. I think, and often the work, as I've said, goes on beyond the the, the weekend itself. So, here Aberdeen being a good example of that. And so, part of the success is just seeing people, you know, trying new techniques, experimenting with new tools they've not used, learning from other people in their team. Um, and then just sharing that back. Um, so we'd normally have plenary breakout sessions um, a couple of times on the Saturday and maybe twice on the Sunday as well. Um, and seeing that and allowing people then to, to interact with other teams, giving them some feedback, giving them some sharing their own insight into different domain problems, things is always a, a great thing. So, yes, yeah, success comes at various levels. But I think it's it, actually the success is the, what the people took away from the event as much as anything. Well, I mean, congratulations. This sounds like a, a very well thought out and, and well-structured event. I mean, that you, it seems like you, you and your colleagues have, have a great thing going there. Yeah, and well, that you, um, yeah, thank you. I mean, we've been doing it for quite a while and we've refined that process continually, I guess. So yeah, it's good. And it's still fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it. And, you know, part of it is to have some fun. It's not entirely serious all the time. We've had some very amusing Christmas ones uh, where we've done a Christmas hack and people, um, I remember, built a Santa Claus face detection system, which, and then were running around the room with masks on to see if it would um, play jingle bells if he walked past the camera. So we, you mm. know, it gets frivolous at times, but it's, uh, you know, if people then learn how to use computer vision and open CV or whatever to detect faces and that way it encourages. And we, we, we don't, uh, through this mechanism, generally have kids coming along, although that does happen sometimes, but we have run uh, young coder sessions, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, yeah, so it's very much about encouraging people to try these new techniques. And often, you know, the face detection thing was just run on a Raspberry Pi, but it was using, you know, some really good 
integration with Google uh, Cloud services and things. So yeah, there's always stuff to learn and, and good fun as well. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So if we if we whetted someone's appetite, how do they get involved? How do they need to register or what, what's the next step? Yes. So I, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. We do like people to register. Well, we, we need people to register on this occasion because it will allow us to then contact them, to send them the link to the Zoom sessions um, and access to the Google shared docs and so on as well. So, um, yes, yeah, so if people are interested and hopefully we have whet their appetite, then do follow the link on the show notes and um, we'll get you set up for it. It'd be great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Anything we've overlooked, Ian, or, or any final points we should uh, we should mention? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's covered it pretty well. And thanks for the opportunity to, to speak on this podcast. I'm going to go back and listen to even more of your back episodes, which sounds great. <laughs> well, thanks for organizing what's sort of be a great event and for, for all your work around open data. And yeah. it, it, sounds like, uh, it sounds like it's really happening there. So Cheers. congratulations. Yeah, and thank you. I, I encourage I encourage many of our listeners to attend and look forward to seeing what comes out of the hacks. Fantastic. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.